Hey, James. Do you, do you want to hear a story? Yes, sure. Yeah, why not? Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Let's I'm, do it. I'm going to tell you a story. So just sit back. Sit back and relax. When I was little, my father was famous. He was the greatest samurai in the empire. He he was the shogun's decapitator. In fact, he cut off the heads of 131 fucking lords. I mean, it was a bad time for the empire, but... I mean, he he just stayed inside his castle, and and he never came out. And, like, everyone was saying his brain was infected by devils. <laughs> uh, it was, <laughs> again, it was a bad time for the Empire. So get this. All right. So one night, the Shogun sends his ninja spies to our house, right? And they... <laughs> They were supposed to kill my father, but they did it. And, and yo, that was the night everything changed. Do you like my story? That's the end. That's the end that's of the a, story. That's a good story. Um, <laughs> uh, hello. It's a true story. Was it? Uh-huh. Um, hello and welcome to new and old listeners alike of course this is always was that in good taste your podcast for like whatever the fuck that was as always i'm your host steven and i'm joined by as always the indomitable chandler phillips your co-host why do you look so angry about that? <laughs> you just cracked me up so fucking much. Here I am just trying to tell you of my own original woes of how my dad was a shogun assassin and was tracked down <laughs> by various other disavowed shogun assassins in mm-hmm. effort to reap some sort of punishment for having killed the shogun's son in a duel. Like that's that's my story to tell and I feel Can I say though? A little slighted that what? Been there. You've been there? Been there. It happens. <laughs> of course, I don't know if you guys have realized that this week's episode is bought by I don't know what the fuck that was. This is the art of storytelling. Of course, as always, you can find us anywhere that podcasts can be found. That includes what? Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon Music. If there's a place you can find it, the art of giving up. What about Apple Podcasts? That I just said that. I thought you said iTunes. It's the same. (laughs) This fucking guy. Uh, Yeah, so we're talking storytelling. But of course, like always, before we do that... Let's catch up. What's going on, Chandler? How you been? What's new with you? Um, not too much has been new, but I have had a pretty nice little little intro to the week. Um, I went to the uh, Museum of Modern Art Ooh. recently and looked at some pictures and actually felt some kind of way about a couple of them. Um, it was a moving experience. And then afterwards, I got a mezcal margarita and it was a fantastic day 
Um, that sounds delicious. It was delicious. Is that what you're drinking now? You're drinking a mezcal margarita? Unfortunately, what I'm drinking right now is not a mezcal margarita. Fuck you, bud. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> just kind of cock tease that a little bit. Maybe it's a foreshadowing, 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 foreshadowing. Um, we can say what you're drinking. But what I am drinking is a classic old-fashioned featuring Bitter Cube Jamaica Number 1 Bitters. Oh, that sounds good. Hold on. What do you, what do you think about it? Is it good? It's delicious? Uh, well, you made it. So come on. No, no, no. Come on. This be... is a loaded question. No, no. And then bring it. We're going to wrap it up a little bit. A little bit of do you want my honest opinion? Go ahead. I think this old-fashioned tells a story. Oh. Of a young immigrant from Puerto Rico looking to make it in 1700s America. And he may claw his way through colonial government. Puerto Rico. Wasn't it Puerto Rico? Where was Hamilton from? From the Caribbean. What? Oh, shit. Is, Back to what? Is Puerto Rico not in the Caribbean? He's specifically from the Caribbean. Continue, continue. Well, the bit's done now. They know it's Hamilton. <laughs> it's all shot to shit. Anyway, I think uh, <laughs> it's it's a really nice cocktail. I think that the fact that you use Old Forester whiskey to not kind of overpower anything, it's it's a very palatable, very easygoing, very agreeable whiskey. How does a bastard, not quite an orphan, son of my mother, a black man in America, grow up to be impoverished? <laughs> I don't fucking... To be a weird scholar. I thought for sure you had the lyrics pulled up. No, no, I don't need it. I know by heart, but I'm trying to fucking make it about me. Uh, <laughs> um, the more. Wait, are my... you trying to weird out your song on the spot? <laughs> a little bit to make it. It's a little hard. That's kind of cute. I can say, tell me, tell me more, but uh, I'm curious. Moma, mezcal thing. Anything else? Moma and mezcal. Um, no, that was about it. It was just a really nice. Really nice day, and I'm feeling some per- personal growth. Oh, also, um, I started researching what new and exciting upcoming uh, 2021 uh, liquors to look out for. And so, like what? Um, there's a couple Canadian ryes that are on the horizon, and um, I'm really looking forward to that. A couple of rums. That you may see featured in our upcoming episodes. Um, another one that we have planned for the near future is a recent Hendrix release. But you we'll mean get... next week? Uh, it's not a secret. Uh, Unless something magically happens, like the world falls apart. Well, you never know. Or like if the stock market gets uh, upended by a bunch or of. Or for some reason, it doesn't happen. If it's out of stock, then fuck me. That would be disappointing. But anyway, that's all that's been going on with me lately. How have you been? I'm getting a Hamilton tattoo. You're getting a Hamilton tattoo. I was going to get one two days ago because <laughs> there's a wait for it. Oh, fuck, man. That song is the best song of fucking Hamilton. Wait for it? Wait for it. Mm. My personal favorite was Wrote My Way Out. Uh, first of all, Wait For It is the best fucking song. 
But there's one lyric, and that is hard because there's a lot. First of all, it's either going to be love doesn't discriminate between the sinners and the saints, and it takes and it takes. <laughs> I don't fucking know. This is one of the tattoos, but I'm also getting a tattoo with. Huh? <laughs> Tell with the nice friend, people. With friend, with friend of the show huh? who. As we mentioned before, who of course was on the art of giving up, Grace King. We're gonna get a tattoo together of a cat. We're getting the same tattoo because I wanted to do that. You're getting matching tattoos. I know. Isn't that isn't that fun? And then that's adorable. I've also been doing nothing except for trying to create this, make this happen. And of course, I've been streaming a little bit. Of course, on Twitch.com forward slash Magnus Wolfbane. Literally, Ooh, my what kind of games you've been? You've been fucking streaming. literally just Among Us is gonna be Civ next, and I'm gonna do the. Fr- I'm gonna try to do the entirety of the Fractured Butthole, and then the mm-hmm. sequel of whatever the South Park oh, game is. That's the uh, the Magic Stick one. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. I I don't know. I just n- not a lot's been going on. You know, my sister's gonna be going away for about two months, and I'm gonna be very alone. And to make sure I don't jump on a roof or something, I'm gonna try to. You know, make myself as busy as possible. Exciting, exciting stuff. I don't know if you've ever been, like, being alone is fun, and I love it, and stuff like that. But also, I don't really have a support system. Mm. So, like, even when, like, the little bit of support that I have goes away, I don't know, I feel kind of, like, overwhelmed sometimes. So I'm trying to keep it together. Well, if you need to reach out to anyone... um. There's plenty of people who aren't me. <laughs> but there's also me who will play Civ with you in order to... You don't fucking play Civ with me. No, I will play no, Civ with you. No, you don't. You fucking... To, you ignore me To help create content. If, if it's in pursuit of content, I'll play Civ with you. you. Don't do shit for your own self and content. Exactly. Wow, our lives are so boring. You ever, you ever take 50... Hold on. Can you imagine taking 15 minutes of your life? Uh-huh. Right, setting a timer to it, looking at the timer, and realizing that between two people, <laughs> just not fifteen a, minutes isn't enough to describe the things. Too or, much, or, yeah. There's not enough going on, and we can blame it on COVID. Yeah, sure. Let's let's blame. This is like how most of the calls with my mother go. It's like, hey, so what's new? And I spend a minute and a half updating on the three things that happened over the past eight days. There is a new thing that we've been doing, though. What is that? That we kind of mentioned and foreshadowed a little bit. We've been, we've been creating. We've been creating a new piece of content. A new content. Hold on, I'm gonna try to do this without making too much. A new piece of content. I could just move my head instead. Yeah. Called behind the bar, and that's where we, me Chandler Phillips, you James Berry, uh. Go a little bit more in depth on the featured items of our individual was that in good taste episodes. So last week I think was our uh, inaugural episode of Behind the Bar, and we featured Hendrix Orbium. Uh, this week we'll be talking a little bit more about Bitter Cube, uh, different bitters. Yeah. Uh, the one we're featuring is the Jamaica Number One Bitter Bitters. Bitter. Is it one bitter or is it? <laughs> I think it's bitter. I think it's bitter. Is wait. I, don't know. I feel like because it's just one vial, 
It's a bitter. No, it says bitters. Uh, oh, you know why? It has multiple It has multiple ingredients. What? In it. What would those different bitters be? Okay. By on. chance. Well, I threw it behind me, but if I remember correctly, it's, it's uh, grapefruit peel. Ooh, grapefruit peel. Lemon Someone's peel. getting grapefruited. Lemon juice. Oh. A little bit of sugar, a little bit of water, and of course, a little bit of allspice. Allspice. Yeah, and the thing is, I think it's super interesting and fun, if you listen to What's That Can Taste, is that we're going to be wrestling a little bit and working it out, not only how we make that content, but how we include what we drink in this content, so that it kind of works with that content, which is fun. I think that's really fun, because how do we make what we're doing there work with this? Mm-hmm. We really just need to make a whole circle jerk of content. And then everyone will finish fine. Don't you love how we're creating more content without having any fucking fans? It's so awesome. It's almost like maybe you should share it more and maybe you like share it with people you know and actively sit down and push people and like, you know, because I do, I don't know about you, but I don't know, you know, I'm just saying like, you know, I just tell you like, you know, and spread it to other people you know, but I'm just saying. Well, one, that's making the bold assumption that I know other people <laughs> that you're not who aren't bigots or republicans why, why would <laughs> why would you put that out why would you <laughs> yo i've decided that we're a leftist cast now <laughs> fucking burn it down bruh like the hold on before we even get started that was hold on oh. oh this gamestop shit hold on this so, is some juicy shit hold on so i feel like so this you were talking about we're, we're talking stories right I gotta fucking change this iPad so that it doesn't turn the screen off every fucking two seconds. So we're talking news story. Now. We're talking <laughs> all the stories. Breaking. You news. know, we're talking about how to tell a story, right? Yeah. And I think that, like, you know, we're gonna kind of say what this, but I kind of want to set with this topic. So of course, don't forget to follow. <laughs> I don't fucking remember the times I said before. Don't forget to follow. Of course, this was then good taste every Friday at. Fucking eight oh two AM <laughs> everywhere podcasts are found. That's uh, of course the iTunes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, fuck Stitcher, you there name you it. Go. Okay. We're there. And of course, behind the bar every single Monday at seven oh two and eighteenth quarters. AM AM wherever podcasts are found. But I got a story for you. So, I was thinking about this. The art of storytelling. Wow. <laughs> the art of storytelling is all about taking what you know, how you know it, and really presenting it in a really fun way. And I thought because I write and because you purport to be a comedian. Just fucking give it to me, okay? <laughs> that You don't have to be so... <laughs> That Fuck we could uh, talk about making stories and doing storytelling. But one of the best things about that is really seeing stories in real life. And the story in real life that it really appeals to me is this GameStop shit. So, when this episode comes out, the hedge fund that super shorted GameStop will possibly be bankrupt. Uh-huh. Now, I'll make it very clear. And I'll explain to you how this is a story, what makes it so interesting, and why it fits in with the theme, because I feel like it, and I'm going to make it happen. 
Okay. I feel like I'm going to get mansplained to, but Shut the fuck up. let me just finish this drink real quick and I'll be all ready to go. Shorting. Mm-hmm. Imagine that you, for some reason, you need a little bit of money. Right. Right now. Like Dave. Like, you know, the app Dave, where like you can get a little bit of money, like a payday oh, loan, like, like a payday the, loan. Yeah, short-term loan. You know, but you pay like five bucks, right? Yeah. So you do that. But for your loans, you're like, hey, I'll lend you my loans and you give me the money and I'll pay like a nominal fee when I get it back. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, you're the company who takes the loans. You sell the loan because you know the loan. You know that the stock that you're taking as collateral is not going to be worth anything. You think two weeks from now. So you take it, you sell it. You take the profit from it. From the loan or from the stock? From the, no, the, the stock is the loan. The so, stock is so the Because the, they're giving it to you and you loan the money. It's collateral for the loan. Oh, So okay. you give me the stock because you need money. You're, you're going to give me a small nominal fee. Maybe even no fee. Because I'm just doing you a favor. You're just holding on to some stocks but you for give, me It's like I a bank. A when you put your money into a bank, unless you have not enough money, the banks just take your money, but they spend it. But right. the FDIC insured, FDIC insured. If you were to do the same thing, but substitute it to be stocks, you give your stock to the bank, as an example, and the bank holds onto it for you. Right. But what they do is, these short sellers, they take it, they hold it for you. They know that the stock is not going to do well. They think. They speculate. So they take it and they sell it at the high value it is now. And then when it's time for you to get it back, they buy it back. They buy it back at the lower price, so that they keep the extra money, right? And they give it back to you, and they've gained. These motherfuckers on our Wall Street bets on These fucking Reddit. These motherfuckers right here. This is talk about a fucking story. These Wall Street motherfuckers. Talk about a fucking upcoming. No, no, no. Talk about a fucking. Talk about an underdog story. Imagine this. An underwolf story. <laughs> You, uh-huh. <laughs> you, you, Chandler Phillips. Me. You don't have a lot of money. Stuff is hard. You're in New York. You're from fucking California. Yeah. Yeah. You get that STEMI, $600. You don't have to spend it on. You, <laughs> you, you, you forward, you, 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 uh, you, you're commonly on Wall Street bets. You're like rocking Rocky. You're there. You don't really know. You really want to make money. So you follow like the fire subreddit. You know, you want to see people talking about how to save your money because you know the next time you get a next time you get some discretionary funds you want to invest in maybe you take some care of it but you you can't right now hey you gotta make money to make money the people in the wall street subreddit they say the the wall street subreddit they say hey hey you know this shit sucks but these this hedge fund is super shorting gamestop if we all Wait, get together... Now, we as Redditors, we have a love-hate relationship with GameStop. Well, I mean... Because on one hand, we love it because it provided the childhood video games that... No, no, no. We all hate it. Because we're all poor. Bliss. No, no. But we, like, we, we all dislike it. Because just like... You gotta think about it like this. Any... Every single place that provides you a service, retail... They're providing you no benefit. You provide all the benefit because you give them money. Right. 
But then, let's say you buy a game by accident. A lot of people have had this experience. I've bought a brand new game to GameStop, uh-huh. still in the packaging. You thought you were getting Call of Duty, they and will you not ended take up getting it. COD to the fishing returns. No, it was gifted to me. I didn't want it. Oh. They didn't give me a reduced price. They will make you open it because they will not take a new game. Oh, uh, they only buy back used games. Which, by the way, I'm not mad at them, but the reality of the situation is that they well, make because... their money mainly from selling subscriptions from Game Informer, from their subscription service, uh, the Power Up Points, hmm. right? But they're not, you know, they're, they're a company, like, they're a villain as any other company is. Right. These Wall Street best motherfuckers saw that this company, just a physical retail that was having a hard time, they noticed that, I don't know if you, this is the story. This is the fucking story. The sharks smelt the blood in the water no, in frenzy. They're not fucking sharks. And this is the reality, is that the reason why GameStop went up almost a thousand percent is because before the only people who benefited from inside knowledge on wall street was people who worked on wall street go to a bar get told a story you Mm -hmm. understand what's going on you're in the know then you then with the knowledge that you have and the experience of the industry you say well this is how people are going to behave that information is no longer exclusive People on the internet got the same information. They found out that GameStop, this one company, shorted over 100% of their stock allocation. They discovered that if this company were to, for example, this Friday, the day that this comes out, if they were to sell, if they were to buy GameStop, when this company has to sell their stocks back to the people from whom they borrowed them, that they would have to pay them back at a higher value than they borrowed them because they sold them. They sold the thing that doesn't belong to them. Hmm. Right? Right. Because they expected it for it to be lower so they could buy it back lower and make a profit. Instead, they have to legally buy it back higher. Right. I'm just saying it's not uncommon practice no, for shorting to occur. No, it's totally once common. they smell that a it's just not is this not a company common. is starting to of course, tank. It's just not common. Like for... so it does like hedge fund managers, granted they think they're sharks the feeding on a frenzy. Mm-hmm. They're more like vultures picking at a decaying carcass. You know it's not common. With their with their head up the asshole. Like that one video of the hyenas eating out the oh, elephant's God. ass. I forgot about that. You know which yeah. one I'm talking about. Oh I do. Don't even Anyway, that's that's the the analogy of what hedge fund but check this out, though. is. But that's only for you and your friends who work in the industry. People who are not in the industry are not supposed to be educated. They don't know about the goings on. About what's going on. But they do now because of the internet. They're not going to the same gentlemen's clubs and hooking up with but crazy But they do Trixie. now. And if you look on CNBC... And, and and they see and stuff and you see all these people saying things like oh wow this is terrible it's terrible because these people's leverage has been lost oh, you no. no longer have to be in the bars and, and the people have gone to Harvard and had the connections to get the information 
So uh, people on Reddit... Oh, shit. We printed the Bible? And by the way, these people are really upset. But can I say something? Now everyone can read. People are really, people are really upset. But people are upset. So they put all this money into GameStop. And people, and then so, the main two, the main ways people use is margin, which is, if you're poor, you can't afford to spend three hundred dollars on one stock. So what margin does is, if you you can buy marginal stocks, and they they'll, if you spend one hundred, if you if you buy one stock, they'll credit you, and they'll buy two, for you. But there are like fees involved. Okay. People use Robinhood as an example. Robinhood is a big platform for millennials because these people have money and they can afford to buy the stocks. Wait, millennials have money? A lot. Why haven't I heard about this? Certain types of millennials. So what they do is they leverage the stocks, right? They leverage the stocks. And it's like, okay, well, since millennials with money, but not always, I have some margin as well. You know, margin is not good because if you buy if you buy one stock and it gains, but it doesn't gain enough, you're not gonna make enough. You can to make a profit. Mm. You have to make like times two to make a profit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, times one and a half to make a little bit of a profit. Have it actually worth something. So what happened is is that all these people using Robinhood as an example, not anybody, but the Robinhood is important because what they did was is that. Uh, GameStop shot up from $8 to $376 fucking dollars, yeah. which, by the way, the hedge fund needed to be under $176 a share in GameStop to huh. not go bankrupt. Magically, on when, on Thursday, Wednesday night, they stopped early selling of GameStop and AMC, which the two stocks were getting heavily shorted and heavily bought mm-hmm. and then on Thursday they completely delisted and paused yeah, any selling on on Robinhood and I think two other services and on top of that they started selling people's shares without their fucking oh, permission shit. because these companies have they partially have investors they have from like partial these big fucking hedge funds. Oh. So what you end up with is people who really took their stimmy. A lot of them took their stimmy and did exactly. And some what of them, by the way, make good money seventy thousand dollars, but they're not fucking billionaires, right? They saw a stock. A lot of them saw a stock that they could fuck somebody with. But what really happened is that some people saw a stock they could fuck somebody with. But most people saw a stock going up, which is how it works. And that's that's, that's how it the fucking cascade works. of stock markets. Well, you can't do that unless you're a fucking hedge fund, unless you're a big brokerage. You're not allowed to do that unless you have the fucking money. Oh. And that right there is fucking sickening and disgusting. And this right here is very interesting I'm going to tell you a story. Wait. Again? Of a man named James. Oh, shit. That's... Is this you? Who purchased no money in GameStop. Do you know why? I'll tell you why I purchased the money in GameStop. Because four days ago, when I saw what was happening, I said I need to fucking sign for Robin Hood, finally. And they wouldn't fucking let me. 
Why wouldn't they let you sign up for Robin Hood? Because they fucking knew what was happening ahead of time. They knew you were black? <sighs> if only. This is the kind of thing that really <laughs> fucking... You fucking you're so stupid. Ooh, almost said almost said something bad. Well, uh, <laughs> you're fucking a bad word. Um, <laughs> it's so fucking silly and ridiculous. That's just the kind of world we live in. But life is full of all these types of things. And what I really can't wait for is I can't wait for the fucking the uh, what do you call it the, the um, not Showtime. Oh, uh, HBO. The not HBO. Fucking like Hallmark. Cinemax like hallmark story of like the people you know behind the scene who are just like upset oh how dare these people who are not oh, dude, part this of is our gonna be a feature club. film it's gonna they've be made they've made wolf of wall street they made the big short now they're gonna make the big chart because wall street crapped the bed on this one i fucking just love these kind of tales because we're living in an age of fucking like you ever look at movies and it's like fucking every single movie you see is some crazy shit yeah even the holocaust which we know about but we weren't there but like it's been so far along like we're young we enough there we're, <laughs> we're young enough that even though we might be affected by it, especially maybe you and your family definitely you know i mean being being jewish you know um, it's just gonna put me out there like <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of those stories are so far in the past, but we're living in an age of stories. We're living in an age where everything that we're experiencing, coat like nine eleven. That was twenty years ago, but that was still. We're not. We started like, seeing some movies, but we didn't see enough. Like we're living in an age of stories, but I mean, we're always in an age of stories because it's just like what's the appropriate. Like, we'll constantly see these movies like Ford v. Ferrari and uh, all these other, like, random-ass movies about, like, somewhat historical events. Like, what's the one that was on Netflix with uh, Sasha Baron Cohen that um, – about the uh, the civil rights? Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was the Detroit 7? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, I'd, I'd never heard that historical mm, story. I think there's a difference between that and, like, you have 9-11, which has, which has had a huge global impact. Wait, what was it? Uh, well, there was a, a terrorist attack in America, in New York City, on uh, September 11th. What year? This is, this like, 2001? 20... Oh, okay, okay. All right, all right. It's jogging some memories. Yeah. Um. But also, I think that some of the other things, like the Capitol riot, is kind of a, you know, if you look if you look at a textbook in high school, like the Chicago Seven is not in there, but like nine eleven will be, and the two thousand eight, you know, financial crash will be in there, yeah. and COVID is going to be in there, and fucking the Capitol riot is going to be in there, you know, and those that's kind of the age that we live in. So I, I just want to ask you a question. I'm just gonna leave this right here. I'm just gonna leave this right here. I'm just gonna throw this yeah. out there. What do you, what do you, what do you, what do you do for Holocaust Remembrance Day? Um, I actually I remembered Holocaust Remembrance Day. Um, and I made sure to uh, do my alms. You know, um, I I thought about all the people who were involved in the Holocaust. Um, 
and it's just kind of depressing. Um, and then I watched some Good Eats, you know? You, my favorite thing. I mean, fuck the Holocaust. Let's talk about Good Eats. I'm kidding. Don't look at me. <laughs> Don't look at me. Like, wait, are you, are you serious? I'm, no, I, I mean, I do love Good Eats, but... Uh. Honestly, I was you, you. You threw this on me. I'm gonna be honest. I didn't. I didn't remember Holocaust Remembrance Day. I remember I saw a notification that was like, "Hey, this is Holocaust Remembrance Day." But it like happened over a couple hundred, or not couple hundred. It happened over a handful of years. So like, how can you pick one particular day? I feel like as a Jew, every day is Holocaust Remembrance Day. So it's kind of. It's kind of demeaning <laughs> to just chalk it up to one day. I I was I didn't mean to throw that at you, but like you know, Holocaust Day I believe was on. I, I don't know if we're recording it now. Was on Wednesday uh, of this week when you're listening to this. If oh, okay. not, then it's, it's every fucking day. And talk I'm, about I'm, an, never mind. I was going to say something real. Bad. All jokes aside, like it's super serious thing that honestly. You don't fucking know the Holocaust. What the fuck is wrong with you? And if it doesn't exist, you're a fucking weirdo and bigot. Oh, that's a like the Holocaust is too real for me. It is. I don't. I it, don't need to be it, reminded. You know, I thought it. I thought it was weird when I when I heard about. it. I'd never heard about it before because I don't think about the Holocaust every day. But it's something that I do you think don't? about. I think about it frequently because it's something that has, has had a real huge impact on our world, mm. and it's the kind of thing that I think is super. I just. I, you don't think about the Holocaust? Like, I don't know. I never thought about that. But, uh, you know, one of the things that made me think about for this episode is that it's nothing but tales and stories and Schindler's List. And it made me really think about, like, how do you tell an effective story? Like, tell me, like, what? how do you format anything? How do you format a, a movie, a documentary? A, a, you're supposed to be a comedian, <laughs> How do you format a joke? Well, all things need a beginning and a middle. Those are the most important ones. So like a formula? Yeah, it's all formulaic. Just like baby food. That I, I don't know where I was going. Anyway, I wanted to just go back to the Holocaust real quick. Because I did actually have a moment yesterday where I was talking about the Holocaust and like... It was appropriate. Just as far as we're talking about stories, um, I was retelling this part from a book called The Devil's Arithmetic in which uh, uh, a modern girl is going to her family's uh, Passover Seder and she doesn't know what the big deal is and she's not really feeling the spirit. And so then she gets uh, magically transported back in time to (laughs) – uh, 1940 something in Poland when they were invaded by the Nazis and like she's now living as her great great grandma who li- who had to go to a concentration camp and basically it's it's a really depressing story like super fucking depressing um but I did think about the Holocaust yesterday and one of the the main things that stuck out to me one of the main dialogue lines in that was um if we weren't laughing we'd be crying and that was from one of the uh, other occupants in the concentration camp talking 
about why the during their little downtime they were able to kind of sit in a group and joke and keep a jovial attitude and how that kind of ties into Jews in the entertainment industry. Anyway, storytelling is innate to, I think, all human traditions and culture. Like, we all have some form of storytelling, whether it's through an oral tradition or um, through through text or or just, like, it's it's a way that we preserve the past and the way we preserve our feelings about certain certain things. And as a comedian, um, quote-unquote, quote unquote, every story, or every joke at least, has to have a beginning and a middle. And if you want to be a good storyteller, then you need the third part, which is the end. And that's the the closing resolution. But formulaic, you need an opening. You need to establish the setting, establish the characters. And then you need uh, some sort of conflict. Otherwise, it's not a story. Otherwise, it's just exposition. You know? It's actually really interesting because, you know, you talk about the end especially. And it makes you really wonder, like, what's the difference is between like you know because you're a comedian dk between like being funny and like kind of like just going too long because the end as a writer is people people always go like it's hard to start a story it's not hard it's 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 difficult to start a story because often when people start stories they don't have in mind what the end is right and the end is always the most difficult part because you have all these ideas things are all wrapped up how funny you are oh that's attractive how funny you are how many ideas you have you know uh or you come up with new ideas coming up to the end is very difficult and especially when you do comedy there's a thin line like the sentence between like being funny doing well doing a good job you know, you ever read um, Harry Potter's a good example. Harry Potter's awesome. I love Harry Potter. But it could have been six books. Maybe even it could have been five. One, two, three were good. Four was good. Five people didn't really like, but it was also good. It had a very important part. Or like, the Phoenix, I remember it. Yeah, it, people had issues with it a little bit sometimes. Hmm. You know, it could have been eliminated. I don't know. I think it worked. But six made no sense. Why? Why was there an entire book where they re- where they took the entire plot of the second book, but they did it again, only this time as Harry, and it's Snape's spell book. And, and now they also have a time-traveling device? Like, you know, I feel like, you know, sometimes things can be shortened. Like, what's going on with that? How do you fix that? How do you solve that? Well, that's the other thing. Like, any... Any good storyteller will know that you have to start a story while being cognizant of where the ending is. Like, you may, if you're a fictional storyteller, you may start a story where you have these certain characters in mind and you want to put them in a certain conflict, but if you have no real idea for what 
the resolution of that conflict is going to be, then what's the point? What are you trying to say with the story in general? What's the theme and what's the message? And again, you can start a story like a lot of TV writers will start a story um, without having an explicit ending in mind. But, you know, as they develop their characters and stuff, they they find where that ending is going. But that's – you think of the storytelling on a more episodic um, level where, like, you get through your pilot episode. What's the story of the pilot? Well, the story is we're setting up our characters, but there's going to be a mild inconvenience that shows how these different characters uh, accommodate that conflict and how we can develop that from there. So, like, that's why I'm saying for comedy, you need a beginning and a middle. Like, it's it's absolutely necessary. And then for anything else that wishes to entertain, you need that definitive closure, or else it's just going to end up like... And there you go. Like that's it. It just you feel a, a sense of emptiness from it. I, I think it's super. You know, um, there's lots of books on writing short stories, and people talk about how writing short stories is the most difficult, and it, it tends to be because you need to take your thoughts and wrap them up within twenty pages and make the end happen without lots of exposition. In short stories are the sushi of, uh, I guess what the pokeball of storytelling is like, cause you could throw in as much rice and ingredients as you want, but short stories, you really got to wrap it tight and make sure you like, when you get that cross section, everything comes through. I, <laughs> it's so funny because you say that, and I immediately think of Albert Camus and, like, The Stranger, which is, like, super short. Or, like, um, wow. Oh, wow. I'm having, like, the craziest, like, b- brain fart. Brain fart. Uh, what is the name of the play that's super famous from Albert Camus, you know, hell is hell is hell is other people. Hell is other people. You don't you don't you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Freaking. No, um, I think you're speaking in tongues. No, that's Sartre. It's fucking no exit. Like uh, Albert Camus and like the Stranger and Sartre with no exit. It's like those things are super concise. You know, they get to the point, and that really kind of like really draws you to an emotional um you know you go past the precipice into something that's really emotional and really i i think that really really can like touch you but the specificity of the content between the bang and the end is really where i think there's some leeway the beginning is easy the, the way it the beginning your your setting form your 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 house house decor your you're just decorating. Yep. Really. And the end, of course, is you know your house is done, but like you want to make sure by the end you care about the people. 
You know right. who the people are. The people huh. matter to Your you. Your house is done, but why should I care if the house gets burned down? 100%. Yes. That's such a good analogy. Well, so you're talking about short stories. I think some of my favorite short stories aren't literary as much as they are in music. Like, I think some of the best told short stories, that's why Johnny Cash and the the rest of the Highwaymen, you know, Willie Nelson and mm-hmm. and the other two. Uh, were so prolific is because they're able to tell these concise short stories and the way they do it, it sticks with you. Um, And then you see how that kind of bleeds into other genres. I remember um, I was talking to a friend of mine once about a podcast they were listening to where they were talking about the different um, origins and similarities between country music and uh, contemporary hip hop, and without really thinking about it, I was just like, "Oh, well, yeah, they both share a parent, a, a, a genre parent of the blues, mm-hmm. and the blues is entirely story related. If if you're able, like, if you develop that skill by being a good blues mu- musician, you can talk about how." Why you're sad and alone because your baby left you, but it was because she caught you cheating on her. Like, that that's the blues right there. It's so crazy, because, like, you know, that's hip-hop. You know, country gets maligned for, like, the people being full of crap. Because the people in country pretend, like, I'm down home, but they have money. Well, a lot of people, yeah. It, but, it comes off as disingenuous. But But separate that from the medium of country is awesome. Country really gets you, and there's a reason it's effective. And then the people who don't, like, live a life of luxury from being country music stars, like the ones who who still kept that outlaw country vibe even after they did, like, several world tours, mm-hmm. those are the ones you're like, they fucking get it. it it's so, they, they keep it real. It's so funny, because you really look at it, and it's like, yo. Honestly, I swear, I'm not kidding. Country music, when I grew up, I was like, ah, country music, bleh, who don't like country music? But mainly because country and hip-hop are the same. And a lot of people who like country would not like hip-hop because... Because it's not a story they can relate to. But the stories are the same. But they they are explicit in who they target. Oh, exactly. And, you know, I think that, like... The specificity is super important, mainly because hip-hop has the beginning. It's all the same. Hip-hop and country is the same. You start from nowhere. At the end... I'll give you one. I'll, gotcha. I'll give you an example oh, shit. right Here now. We go. I just popped in uh, Garth Brooks, Friends in Low Places. All right? Blame it on the alcohol, Jamie Foxx. Same fucking song. <laughs> it's the same fucking song. <laughs> That's actually... It is... Th- it is the same is that, song. Did I just that blow is, some mind? That, you just blew my fucking mind. That is the same fucking song. You know what it is. Like It's like about said. being sad and then going and doing something you're not supposed to. And now, well, it's because I got friends in low places. The beginning is the same. And the end is the same. You know, and songs are weird because there's like hooks and there's like choruses. So, like, the end sometimes, it doesn't really, it's like, oh. 
It doesn't match the chorus. You would you would think that like the story doesn't come to an end, but a good country song is like, you know, sure I do love my woman with her with you know her hair down and her overalls, and then the second verse is I'll tell you why, and the third is why we should be together. And then the fourth is why she left. You know, because a country no, song that's, has, a, that's a different kind of hip- that's a different kind of country song. The country song the has other to kind end, of, end sad. The other kind of country song is, uh, the, I love her. This is why she left me. And then the third verse is why I'm sad because mm. it's like three three verses, two three choruses, two hooks. I got another one. Right. I got it. All right. So I've been listening to a lot of uh, Coulter Wall lately canadian country music so fucking i'm white i i didn't say it just say it all right coulter walls kate mccannon uh same song as eminem's kim um it's about how he fell in love with a girl she cheated on him he's gonna fucking murder her (laughs) boom there you go it's the same fucking same stories the the difference is the middle you know, no, no. The middle is the same, but again, it's about the specificity. Hold on, got you. Check this out, right? Hey, man. Because in country, it's exactly. Let, let's say, for example, the song is like, "Well, I'm gonna kill this bitch." You mean know, I'm gonna have her trample under a horse, fucking hooves? You think to yourself, if you if you're in the fucking field or in a fucking, you're going cross country, like you know, because you're working a fucking like most like apparently thirty percent of American men work like doing uh cargo hauling across the country right oh trucking you understand what you're hearing right if you're in an urban center and it's like you know when i was a little when i was a baby boy my mom used to tell me these crazy things my mom used to tell me about my father was an evil man he told me that he hated me and you just hear this shit and it's like yo i live in the city and i hear this shit and i really identify with it the stories are the same but the specificity of it it's the different relatability because you can i can relate to like well, I mean, I could relate to most anything's. I'm a chameleon that way. Yeah. <laughs> oh God! No, oh, but like, people. so like one song will open up talking about how he his dad left and his mama didn't didn't know much about raising kids, and so then he went on and you know did, picked up a guitar and went from town to town, and now he's a rambling man. And then you have another song about how his dad left and his mama didn't know how to really raise any kids. So instead he took to the streets and started selling drugs. And now he raised enough money to get some studio time. And now he's a rambling man. Now we're going to talk about pop music. I'm going to get pop on you. Mm. Because the main reason pop music is so popular is because people might not all understand all the songs or where all people are from. People know these things. People know, especially when they're poor. People know that tonight, <laughs> tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. And there's no other night where we're going to party like tonight. Which is true. They know these things. They know They know these things. Which about pop music, like even pop country, it's like, I ain't got nothing, so I got it. Or, mm. I don't got nothing, so I want it. Or, true. I don't have anything, so I'm going to have some fun. Or, I'm young, and I'm going to have some fun. They're all the same. Wait, so... So what? We go out? (laughs) 
So, so what? We smoke weed? Yo, it's getting hot in here. Take off all our clothes. That's a, that's, that, that's a honky tonk. (laughs) But not a dog. You know, fuck, man. That's the best thing. And that's one of the reasons why comedy, I think, really connects with people. You wouldn't know anything about that, you know. If barely. (laughs) But (laughs) I feel like one of the best things about comedy is that a good comedian so i feel like the the weakest comedians like you have the southern comedians but the reason why i like ron tater salad white is because tater salad i feel like he actually is able to connect across you know the country people who talk about these things that are just they say they talk about their tractors and their trailers but not everybody has a tractor and a trailer but we've all been hungry We've all worked hard. We've True. all struggled. And that's what makes that's what makes a story strong and powerful. But in addition to that, Ron White specifically as a comedian. So that's the same as Dave Chappelle as a comedian. What what element do both their stories encompass that maybe some not as strong of comedians uh like myself <laughs> may embody? They have closure and resolution to their jokes, where it's not just set up punchline, it's set up punchline, punchline, set up punchline, set up, set up, punchline, punchline, (laughs) resolution. We have to make this very clear, though. I think it's super important. Like, intertechnology matters. Like, you know, people are not always the same, and things do cross over. But there are parts of the story that Dave Chappelle tells that people who are not from an urban area or, see, because he's black, I can identify from with him being from an urban area, but he's from, oh, but his family was in Ohio. Mm-hmm. But, so his experiences are different than mine, but being a black man in Ohio, it's still not the story of white people from Ohio. We 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 identify in the very specific things. There are some things that we don't. And that's what makes things connect. That's why a lot of people like it's weird like hearing thirty five year old people be like Twilight sucks when Twilight was obviously written for people who are much younger than the demographic or mm. Harry Potter is not supposed to connect with everyone. It's not supposed to. I mean Christians aren't supposed to like it. J.K. Rowling's kind of like, but that's not a joke, though. (laughs) It's not for Christians. Not everything is for everyone, even though, really, that's why music is a bad bad example. Everything is available, or at least everything ought to be available to everyone, but an audience is an audience, and you can't please everyone with your... your, We can. I mean, of course we can. I don't know. Yeah, hold on. We're like, we're trans genre. We're well, we transcend, what are we? We transcend gen- genres. We're we're trans genre. <laughs> Listen, I'm not fucking. I've decided that my pronouns are he, him, they, them, because I feel like gender identity is so fluid and weird. And like the super masculine gender identity doesn't always affect, doesn't always flow to me. And it doesn't. Feel, it doesn't share your story. 
and I feel like we're all I feel like but that's the thing about stories that are weird is that people even things like for example I'm not a trans person but I can identify with the gender norms and identities that are put on us not really like you know from how people perceive you don't always work on everything that you do so like the fucking being somebody labeling you as weird because whatever you are is whatever you are right the same thing with music music is confusing and difficult to compare to like literature because music especially is emotion and we all fucking share loss we all unless you're fucking jeff bezos or fucking you know what you think Jeff Bezos hasn't experienced the loss of his well, ex-wife? Well, he can fucking pay that shit. Yo, can I hold on? This is a random thing, but fucking, I'm not. Elon Musk literally posted fucking a meme on Twitter about the GameStop shit, and like, like he's like, oh, these donks. And he he said some shit about the establishment, and I was like, yo, bitch, I, you are. I the literally commented like, you are the establishment. How, who do you? But guess what though. Hmm. The reason he doesn't fight the establishment is because we all this is, people get fucking confused. <laughs> the reason he doesn't feel like the establishment is because he owns in America, it. and he is South African. Uh, <laughs> oh fuck! Get that shit out of my fucking face! And had actively benefited from. We no. all fucking <clears throat> deal with the same things. And media and experiences can sometimes confuse us because we all identify, but we all don't come from the same place. So, which is why I'm funny and you're not. Right. Because you come from a funnier place and therefore you're intrinsically. (laughs) Oh, shit. I love that. Oh, that's a I'm taking that. You just. Okay. Um,. Should we wrap this up? Mm. Or do you have any other questions about... I do. Hold on. Because okay. I actually did work this episode. Um, okay. Real quick. He did one work, minute, And now he thinks he's funny? They can't both... <laughs> Super specific observations. Okay. Hit me with an observation. I'm not prepared. I was going to write some things. But then when I saw you didn't write anything on the fucking document, I was like, oh shit. I shouldn't prepare because it's not fair. So now... Oh. Y- we're gonna okay give me an observation about something that's super specific but like just does it have to do with anything with our theme? okay um so you know when you go to a bodega and like someone runs in real quick like they're in a hurry or something but then the thing that they end up talking to the guy at the counter about ends up taking like 15 minutes longer than anything else would happen at that bodega and you're just sitting there like you got you got your ice cream sandwich and you're like all right um i don't want to i don't want to cause a ruckus like they're not checking out or anything they're just talking to this guy at the counter it seems like it might get confrontational but like i i don't i don't know if i should just put my stuff on the counter now <laughs> like in preparation for them to look cuz i can't tell if it's like are they coming in to buy cigarettes and they don't have their cigarettes Ooh. there, and so are they a person of color. Oh no! Actually, the, minute, the minute you said that, I just thought honestly, this situation. Um, it was an Eastern European gentleman, um, arguing with an Arab gentleman, 
about the inventory of their tobacco products. Um, neither one of them would admit that Turkish cigarettes are good. <laughs> to which, that's why I spent the next 20 minutes just letting them argue it out. Because I was kind of on both their side. Good white man. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you ever go to a gay club with your ex-girlfriend? I don't know. She just says, let's go to a gay club. Uh-huh. And you're just like, all right, fuck it. We'll go. The music's good. People are nice to you. A few free drinks. Like, it's not really your thing, but you're having a good time. Huh. Go to the bathroom. You know, it's like weird. It's kind of dark. Like, somebody comes up behind you. You start touching your shoulder. You're like, hey, what are you doing? But she's cute. You're like, oh, what's going huh. on? So you gotta start kissing. Wait, but you're touching. there with your ex girlfriend. Not my girlfriend. Right. I just wanted to specify. So she and I start kissing. To clarify. Start having a fun time. Uh-huh. We're having a really good moment. You know. Fuck. You ever see queer as folk? Shit. Stuff happens in a gay club. I guess. Yeah. You, you push the door open to the stall. Slam behind you. You're excited. Clothes start coming off. Burn off I don't the like toilet. the gesture you made when you said you're excited. <laughs> Bend her over. It's really excited. You know, it's a good thing they had the condoms in the front. One quarter. You get two. You slide in. Everything's real good. You're having a real good time. You pull out and you suddenly realize, man, everything's falling apart. And life is real shitty. <laughs> yeah, I've been there, bud. <laughs> It's okay. It gets better. <laughs> um. Oh yeah. So uh. Yeah. That was was that a good taste? Uh. Thank you so much for hanging in with us during our storytelling sessions. And of course, as always, if you want to ever find out more about us, where can you find us? You can find me on Instagram at c underscore underscore honey. That's c underscore underscore honey at the Instagrams. Uh, you can also catch me in and around Manhattan at various open mic shows, mostly at the ones in Central Park. Um, but uh, you know, just DM me anyway if you're if you're looking for some some good comedy. I can recommend stuff. <laughs> and of course, you can always find me at whatfunnyfriend at twitter dot com. I'm super active. Hit me up, message me. We can always communicate. Art of giving up on Instagram. Of course, you can always find me every single Monday, Art of Giving Up Podcast. Monday, Monday, Anywhere. Monday. And of course, you can always find us at A Habit of Wellness on Facebook.com. Every single Friday, every Monday, every Saturday and Tuesday, you're going to get New podcasts. Content. You're going to get videos. You're going to get content. You can always message us. And of course, this has been fun. This has been a blast. This has been amazing. And remember, drinking is not required, but it is recommended. recommended.